breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Kiel. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Uh Louisiana Attorney General, candidate for Governor Jeff Landry joining us this morning. Uh first of all, thank you for your time. We appreciate you. Thank you for joining us. Good to talk with you, sir. I, I'm intrigued by this uh justice uh, criminal justice pilot program that uh, you're introducing in Orleans, Caddo and East Baton Rouge parishes. Uh, tell us about the program, and, but we also had a question. Why is it only in three parishes? Well, look, uh, that's a, those are all great questions. Uh, last week, we were joined uh, by, by a, a number of folks from Shreveport. You know, Cortez Collins, the, the, the police officer who lost the son, Moms on a Mission, um, Michelle Anglin, uh, came all the way down to New Orleans uh, where we held this press conference. And um, and and and. This is the first step, Ruben. Look, for seven years, I have participated with you all on this show. We have talked about the criminal justice system. We talked about the changes that the legislature was enacting. We talked about the dangers that that was going to create. We talked about the fact that the goal should be how we keep people from going to prison rather than just letting people out of prison. And all we have seen over the last seven years is crime on the rise. And so you asked the question, why is this bill only affect three parishes? Because those three parishes are, are in, inside of those three parishes are three cities that are listed in the top 10 most dangerous cities in America. Now let that sink in for everyone who's listening out there. If you're living in Shreveport, you are living in one of the most dangerous cities in the country, in the top 10. Mm. And then if you're in Baton Rouge, same thing. If you're in New Orleans, well, you're the crown jewel. You're number one. Mm. And so what we know is, is that that means that there is a systemic structural problem in our criminal justice system. And in order to be able to hold those accountable, because there's a lot of finger pointing going around. The only way you can truly hold people accountable is if you can see what they're doing. It means that the system has to be transparent. And over the last decades or so, our criminal justice system has become less transparent rather than more transparent. Mm -hmm. And so what we did was we worked with these victims and we listened to what they were telling us. And we looked at the data and we realized that we, if you're going to deal with the criminal justice system, you don't start with the criminal. You start with the victim. Let's, right? let's talk about, Jeff, is, let's talk about something that the governor came out last week and you told us long ago, those were his true colors. He is a, he announced he's against the death penalty. Uh, we have had all these excuses why we can't get the medicine. If you're elected governor, how quickly will you put the death penalty back in action in Louisiana? Let me tell you this. We have litigated the death penalty issue in Louisiana 
under my watch, guided by the hand of the Solicitor General, Liz Muro, to a finality. And we have sent to the governor the instructions of how we can begin executions again in this state. Can we, get the, can in we, can we get the medication? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me show you this. They're doing it in Arkansas. They're doing it in Mississippi. They're doing it in Texas. And, and, and in fact, if you go to my website, I'm pretty sure we, we, we did a press release on that. There's a letter that I sent to the governor and the legislature. This All it takes is a governor. And I can promise you, if I'm elected governor, we are going to fulfill the contractual obligation that, we, that the state of Louisiana has with the families of the victims of the folks of, at, at the hands of those that are sitting on death row. That is, that, I've made that abundantly clear, Aaron, abundantly clear, that whether you want to debate the death penalty in Baton Rouge or not, we've got 70 people sitting on death row that have been convicted, tried by juries, and sentenced to death. And those families supported that. In fact, three or four years ago, we brought five of those families to Baton Rouge in front of the legislature and held a hearing. Of those that se- is a contractual, of those seventy a contractual people, obligation. Of those 70 people that are sitting on death row, what's the average time that is spent on death row? After the conviction, after the appeals, how long have they been on death row? Well, Ruben, I don't, you know, well, this I don't is Mike. This is Mike. I mean, Mike, 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 I'm sorry. Mike, I'm so, I don't have those particular statistics in front of me, but it really doesn't matter. It just, what matters is that the state can fulfill its obligation to its citizens, and they're failing to do so. I mean, all of this talk about how long they sit there, how much money it costs, and how, all of that is. All that is is a smokescreen to the underlying issue on crime and penalty. Look, those families, okay, have gone through a tremendous amount of trauma. Some of the people sitting on on death row have committed some of the most heinous crimes. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, y'all can look. I think there's one over there that boiled a child. Mm. Oh, Lord. Yeah, we okay. have we have Nathaniel Code on death row for thirty five years. I think, I think it's closing right. in. It, the, for the governor to say there's a federal court stay on executions and no, we can't get the drugs true. and we can't get the drugs that's, that's absolutely not true. Correct? That's not true. We that stay was lifted. We 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 successfully litigated this case in I think in June of last year. Now look. It's important to recognize that this is only part and parcel of the problems we face in this state. But I think it's a great example. It's the canary in the coal mine, if you will, about our failures in this state and our criminal justice system. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Uh, Attorney General Jeff Landry joining us this morning. Jeff, give me some ideas of things that you will do as governor to keep my kids, your kids, Mike's kids, 
from leaving Louisiana. That isn't there is a mass exodus in our state, and nobody seems to be doing anything about it. Well, Aaron, first of all, it's not anything that I can do, but it's something that we can do. You know, since last year when we announced our intent to run for governor, this campaign has always been about the great people of the state. I tell people again and again, they ask me to say, hey, are you running for governor? I'm like, no, I'm not, but we will because I collect, I alone cannot stop the outward migration. But we can collectively do that if we're ready for some change, if we're ready to recalibrate the way that this state functions. I mean, it, it's a simple question. Why are they leaving? When we look at the metrics, we know that, again, we talked about it in the earlier segment, Louisiana is hosting three of the three cities in the top 10 most dangerous cities in the country. So public safety is a concern. Education's a problem. Good jobs are hard to find. And people are like, can you go create jobs? I'm like, well, yeah, if I can get us a safe Louisiana, if we can educate our kids. I mean, when when 74% of fourth graders can't read and 80% of eighth graders can't do basic math, how do you expect people to be able to actually get a job? And we said, well, we need skilled people out here. Well, again, we need skilled people, but Skilled people have to be able to read. They have to be able to add and subtract. And so those are things that we absolutely have to tackle in the state. I'm ready to do that. I mean, Aaron and Mike, I mean, both of y'all, over the last seven years, has there not, are, are we at the D- Department of Justice not been willing to tackle some of the most toughest issues out there? We have done what no one else has done. We've led. Because true leadership is about doing what's right and tackling the tough problems and having an honest conversation and talking to people about how we can collectively fix them. And so those are the ways that we start to bring people back into the state. Um, Not any of this cotton candy, you know, oh, I'm the greatest. Oh, I can fix it. And then nothing happens. Mm -hmm. How many times have we heard that? Oh, yeah. We're talking with... how many times have we heard, oh, we just, you know, we just, we're going to bring all these businesses in. We're going to, you know, reduce taxes. We're going to create all of these things. All of those things are good and fine. None of it gets done. And we still, we still, even the businesses that are in Louisiana, we don't concentrate enough on the things that we do well and support the businesses that are actually in the state. And if we do those things, I think the rest of the things will become will come organic. I'm sorry, Mike, you, you said something. No, I was going to say we're talking with Jeff Landry, Attorney General of Louisiana. Um, there's we know Louisiana had trigger laws in effect when uh, the Supreme Court reversed Roe versus Wade, but now legislatures are discussing some uh, exceptions to be introduced into our abortion laws. Can you tell us about that? Look, what I can tell you is that Louisiana has consistently led the nation in being pro-life and the laws that protect the innocence and the health care of women around the state. I don't that's that's an issue for the legislature to debate. We go out there and enforce the laws that they pass. Uh, And so I I don't know. I haven't seen what the legislature that you should get some of those legislators, Mm -hmm. I guess, on the show and ask them. We will. Let me ask you, the lawmakers go into session next week, and 
they're going to be looking at a um, about a one and a half billion dollars in in revenue that they haven't had in the past. What is your message to them today in terms of please don't go on a spending spree? Yeah, look, I think I think that when you look back and see where we are and and how God has been gracious to us in helping us dig ourselves out of a hole, um, we shouldn't just go on a spending spree. Uh, I think that we should prioritize that particular spending and not just hand it out to you know like bread in 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 in, the, in old Rome's Gladys Theater just to appease the crowd. I mean, we've got some. some severe infrastructure needs uh, in this state. It's only getting worse. And we should be looking at ways in which we can take those dollars and find more dollars being by creating efficiencies in state government um, to fix those things that, that are broken in the state. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keo, Mike and McCarty. You know, earlier this week, Jill Biden was talking about inviting Iowa along with the national champions LSU. She was in go- she wanted to invite the losing team to the White House to the White House. Unprecedented to have the losing team there at the same time. Now, Aaron, am I am I making too big of a deal out of that? No. Am, am I saying that this is insulting to LSU and Huge. the LSU program? Hugely insulting. Okay. And I and I agree with Angel Reese, who said tweeted at Jill Biden a joke. What a joke. That's just not, you take the spotlight off of them. Exactly. You've just diminished their accomplishments. First in, in, in the school history, mm. first national champions. Let them have their day. And, yeah. If you want to have a little picnic with Iowa later, whatever. But now, now, did I hear you say that Joe actually made the call? Joe made the call and no Iowa. He's going to have LSU there and the men, University of Connecticut, who won the title for the men. He's going to have the LSU team, but no second place teams are have been invited, according to the president. I think Jill was just speaking out of her ear. I think, yeah, yeah. I think she was just kind of riffing, mm-hmm. and, and somebody reported it where yes. they really shouldn't have. Oh, it went nuts though. It did I mean it, it was... went? Congressman Troy Carter even, you know. <laughs> Sound bites are all over the news. This is ridiculous. Would they have ever invited LSU if we had lost? Right. Seriously, think about it. No, if Iowa no. had won that game, would LSU get an invite? Nah. Absolutely not. Not going to happen. You don't invite the second place team. That's not what happens. Oh, man. I was fired up about it, though. I was like, Jill, what is wrong? Is Jill starting to have Joe Biden syndrome? No. Just saying crazy things? Gosh, if, if 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 they have to guide both of them around. Oh gosh, no you, kidding. Did you see the footage of Biden walking? He was apparently at some manufacturing facility or some tractor mm. facility and the guy had him by the arm and he said, Okay, down to the left, to the left. Now you're going to see oh. you're gonna see so and so. And he's saying, you know, oh to your right, wave, wave. I mean it was just embarrassing. <laughs> That's sad. That's very sad. The thing is the world sees this though. Right, right. This man can't even walk down a ramp to mm. get to the... Yeah. Oh. The nice thing is this time, there'll have to be a debate. 
You know, I don't, I don't think in the last campaign they did a debate because of COVID or whatever, or some sort of crap. And maybe I'm wrong. No, there was Fixed. a debate. Was there yeah, a there presidential was. debate? Yeah, there was. Did they do one? Okay, and this will be this will be a disaster. Whoever it is that debates him will be a disaster for him. By the way, just just I, I've got some notes on on last night's coverage on this, mm-hmm. this whole Trump circus. So I was watching it. Well, Aaron, I spent the day with Donald Trump. Did you? I spent the day with him, hmm. one-on-one. Just, it was really bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> it's dream. At one point, he was riding a horse. I don't know. He hopped off, and then we got in, and then he got in a, a, a radio station truck from a previous radio station where I work. I'll be darned. And I said, I said, you know, well, I'll drive you, I'll drive, you know. And he was he was the sweetest guy, very nice guy. <laughs> and at one point, like, I, we were at my house, and he started scraping the windows. He took, like, the windows out mm. and was scraping the frame around the... Oh my. And said, "Yeah, we're we're gonna get new windows here. We're gonna get we're gonna get you get you some new windows. I know so and so, ex so and so, somebody that I knew that don't do yeah. windows. It, they had another. <laughs> it was so oh strange. boy! <laughs> mm. I I hung out with the Donald. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Well, he pled not guilty yesterday. He you know flew back to Mar-a-Lago oh, so and bizarre. did all the shows and he you know well his the Fox shows and." Not guilty into witch hunt, the whole, you know the whole shebang. We'll see what happens in the in the court of uh, the legal courtroom. I don't know. It's just nuts. We we spoke to uh, Senator John Kennedy yesterday, and you'll hear what he has to say about that coming up next with Mike and McCarty. One one. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty and uh, on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline Senator John Kennedy. Good morning, it, I, sir. The uh, the the pre- former president to turn himself in today. Um, complete charade, and it's uh, what what are your thoughts on it? Uh, this is more about our politics than it is about the former president. Um, you know, as one commentator said over the weekend, how, how can something so big, the indictment of a former president, happen over something so small? You know, falsifying business records six years ago. Um, and Mr. Bragg, the, uh, the, the prosecutor in New York, may be the the first local prosecutor to seek the limelight this way, but he's not going to be the last. I can tell you that. Um, that's what happens when you weaponize the criminal justice system. Well, it's just hard to know where the justice begins and the politics ends in this case. And and uh, it's like, uh, you know, when you're a prosecutor, you're supposed to uh, take a look at a crime and go look for who committed it. In, in this case, it looks like Mr. Bragg uh, picked somebody to prosecute and then went looking for, for a law to prosecute. Do you think the, the former president committed a crime? 
Oh, I haven't read the indictment, and I have no idea of knowing that. Um, but I do know this. Former presidents, um, we never indicted one. We've never prosecuted one. And you can look across America. Uh, Justice Robert Jackson said 80 years ago, he, he said, a prosecutor stands a fair chance of finding a technical violation uh, of law on the part of almost anyone. Mm, sure, and that's why we we elect prosecutors not to be political, but to be administrators of uh, of justice. Senator Kennedy, you've recently introduced uh, legislation to cap insulin costs at thirty five dollars for Louisianans. Can you can you explain that to us? And and when would that possibly go into effect? Well, the bill's not going to pass until we have what's called a pay fork. I, I'm not looking to uh, add to to uh, our national debt. So Senator Warnock and I are combing through the budget to look for a way to pay for it. But basically what it would do, it would say that, that if you're a diabetic, and in Louisiana, about 40% of our people are either diabetic or pre-diabetic, uh, then your 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 insulin costs will be capped at thirty five dollars a month. Uh, it's a pretty straightforward, simple bill, um, and I think we can pass it if we can find a way to pay for it and convince my colleagues uh, to uh, to reduce the budget by the amount to pay for it. Congressman Steve Scalise got his energy bill passed on the House side. He says he's optimistic it will pass on the Senate side. I'm not so sure what ye say to that. Well, uh, Schumer, Senator Schumer has said it's dead on arrival. Mm-hmm. And Senator Schumer doesn't even have to bring the bill up. He has that control as a majority leader. I have introduced the bill on our side, on the Senate side, Steve's bill. It's got a lot of good things in it, permitting reform, uh, royalty reform on offshore royalty. Uh, it doesn't discriminate against any form of energy. It'll be good for all forms of energy. I'm hoping this will be a springboard errand to us in the Senate being able to sit down and negotiate uh, uh, something that's acceptable enough to get 60 votes. It's unlikely to be Steve's bill without making changes, and, and I think Steve knows that. That's just the way the process works. He, would it would it lower energy prices at the pump? That's what we are all suffering from. I mean, in this inflation. Let's start at the pump. That's one of the biggest problems. It will. It will. Um, what, what what my Democratic colleagues want to do is is increase the price of energy, which is a natural result of getting rid of oil and gas and going to forms of energy that have to be subsidized. This bill would treat all forms of energy the same. It would try to use technology to uh, make all forms of energy more accessible and, more importantly, cheaper. Um, And it's going to be hard to wrangle 10 Democratic votes to do that, uh, but I think we can get them. We're talking with Senator John Kennedy. I'm very intrigued by this welfare package that you're introducing. Uh, two bills to bring capable Americans back into the workforce, Yay. strengthen the U.S. economy, and fight poverty. Are you going to require, which thank you if you are, those on welfare who are capable 
to perform work in some way to earn that th- those benefits? Yes, um, and and I want to define what I mean. If you're if you're fifty five years of age or younger, and you don't have any children, and you're not disabled, then we've got plenty of jobs, and we're happy to help you get back on your feet and and uh, put you on welfare, but. You, you've got to go look for work, and we'll help you find it if you can. Well, see, this makes now, too I'm much sense. Talking, I don't see that having a chance. <laughs> well, I'm not talking about a, a mother with, you know, three sick children. I'm talking about, let me say it again, if 55 or under, you're not disabled, you don't have any children, or your children are grown. They would have a uh, limit, we then. They would, they would be able to get welfare for a certain amount of time, then it's like, you're on your own, bud. That's right. Okay. Amen. And I... And I, I I want to set up a program, too, to help folks find a job if they can't do it on their own. But, but look, our labor force participation rate, the number of people who can work, who aren't working in Louisiana, is through the roof. Mm. And uh, it's through the roof in America. It's never recovered. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. Aaron, I saw this story yesterday. You, this is this is kind of strange. Mm-hmm. It's like something's going on. Yeah. Something's going on. Mm-hmm. Diamond Jacks sold um what how long ago? Last year. Yeah, the last year. I mean quarter. it's been closed for, mm-hmm. for a few years. Since the pandemic. But but the the, the company came in and man, they had these plans and we're redoing all new hotel mm-hmm. and and now they're selling yep foundation gaming foundation out of mississippi Game, yeah. is selling it to the cordish company the cordish group that are based out of uh baltimore and they have big pretty big ventures in houston st louis atlanta philadelphia and many other spots in in the grand scheme of things foundation is a small fry Compared right. to Cordish. They have a few properties in Mississippi. And that's it. But Cordish is in major markets. Big time. Big so properties. Might, might be even better. It could be even better. I'm going to get the, hopefully catch up with the Gaming Control Board chairman, if not today, tomorrow, to talk about, will this change the plan? It's going to delay it a little bit. Yeah, Ronnie John um, said that it will delay the project a few months, but mm-hmm. it will greatly enhance it. Yes, and Cordish is going to go before the Gaming Con- Control Board on the 17th of this month to kind of outline what their plans are. Apparently, it's already been approved. Yeah, they've approved the sale. The sale has been approved. Now they're going to say, here's what we're going to do. Um, you know, and we already knew Foundation was going to move the boat. But I was curious because the renovation work was, the demolition work was to start March 1. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching it and I've seen nothing. Right. I've seen, you know, kind of crickets over there. So I thought, something's going on. I was very suspicious because they first said the boat will be the first thing to go, and the boat's still there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, perhaps we'll catch up with Mayor uh, Chandler to find out what has he been told. What is he is, is the plan going to change? Because it was looking like Foundation was going to pump two hundred million dollars into the renovation. Um, will that be the same for Cordish, 
or will they bring it back as a smaller, you know, smaller version? Because it was going to have double the gaming space of the other casinos in the market, mm-hmm. and it was going to be a big resort destination. Is that still the plan, or are they going to make it kind of a a, a lower-tier casino? I hope not. But now, something that's very interesting in all of this is Cordish already works with the Texas Rangers and Rev Entertainment. Mm-hmm. They already work together in yeah. other markets. Right. That's, would, that's very intriguing it, to it me. It really would be. It could be they could have like a package deal. Come to, you know, the baseball thing and here's where you stay. You know, obviously Rev is planning a hotel at right, the fairgrounds. On the, on the fairgrounds. But they could do like an entertainment, you know, trips where you come to Shreveport for this. You go to our casino. You get a special deal at both, you know, at both events. Uh, I could see some kind of interesting little packages being put together. People well, that want to come over and gamble, go see a baseball game. It'd be, well, it could be interesting. Work that uh, that massive Rolodex you've got over there, and we'll see what we can find out. Yeah, I'm digging a little bit this morning. Hopefully, we'll get somebody to join us coming up in the eight o'clock hour. I'm hoping. Uh, Shreveport Bossier Bessie member Michael Mellarine going to join us coming up after the local news. Mike and McCarty. What a one. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, Shreveport Bossier Bessie member Michael Mellarine joining us. Michael, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, Mike and Aaron. How are y'all? Wonderful. Thanks for taking time to talk with us. You've got a resolution now uh, requesting the governing authorities of public elementary and secondary schools to provide for a school resource officer. For every school under its jurisdiction, now in Shreveport, Bossier, do we not already have resource officers at all schools? We do. In our area, fortunate that we um, our systems have made it a priority to have a, a resource officer or a liaison officer in there. Um, but looking into the issue, uh, the Department of Education conducted a survey. The results were published in November of 2022. Uh, there's about 1,700 public schools, K-12, in Louisiana. A little over 1,200 of those schools responded. And out of that 1,200, uh, those 1,200 schools that responded, only 67% of them have a school resource officer. Um, now, if you extrapolate that out, I don't know what those other 500 do, if they do have them or not. Um, but for me, that's a big gap. And, and so your phone your phone is cutting out. I'm not sure if you're you must be in uh in uh Ville Platte. I I that's exactly where I'm at right now, Eric, so I apologize. <laughs> How did you know that? I'm I'm so brilliant, Mike. Have you not figured uh, the the problem w- w- with this? What's the cost? And and how much and, how much more money is the state going to chip in? That is why the second part of or my second resolution is asking the legislature to fully fund it. Um, now, look, as I said, some of our systems have made it a priority. They they make it sure that whatever the cost is, that's there to protect our students, our administrators. We need to look into it. But if we can spend over $100 million on, a, on an advertising campaign to make sure that everybody is aware of the Medicaid you know, making sure they're main eligible for Medicaid. I think the state can find the funding to protect our kids, to protect our teachers, to protect everybody that steps foot on a campus 
uh, an education campus in Louisiana. Michael Mellorine, Bessie member from our area. Look, one one of the big issues with this is, you know, all of our policing agencies are short of people. So it would be a concern, you know, if if you now pull them away and they're now school resource officers, um, we're losing them from patrolling our communities. How do you balance that? So one thing that we need to look into is going to retired officers, um, asking and making it. Uh, available for them so that they can come back in. Uh, those people have experience in law enforcement. That's clearly what you want. You don't want someone that would, in a crisis situation, you know, not know how to respond um, to allow other opportunities to think outside of the box. And let's get those people in there because they don't just protect in you know, a school shooting situation. They provide a resource every day to help our teachers and our administrators take care of of issues that arise. I mean, let's just look at what's happening in Caddo the, the past week. We had a resource officer prevent a potential school shooting at Southport mm-hmm. um, just last week. Just yesterday, there was a student at Herndon uh, Magnet that, that made a threat. And, and I know parents that personally I spoke with that kept their kids home from school yesterday because they were afraid at Herndon Magnet that, that something was going to happen there. So if we can't show our parents that we care and we want to do everything to keep them safe, if they're a teacher or an administrator or their students, I mean, their kids safe, then that cuts into the ability of our educators to, to educate. You know, We're when facing you, a teacher shortage and, and I, a teacher crisis. That one of those things that when you talk to teachers, it's safety. This helps across the board, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. One of the th- like higher education uh, at the universities, they have a, they have a police department. And each centenary has a police department, LSU. You know, I. it would be awesome if, if at least the Caddo Parish school system had a police department, if not at every school. But I, 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 I'm fully with you that we need to beef up security. And I think there, there's coming a point when we have to look at what we're doing isn't working. The, these... The, <laughs> The access to the exactly. school is too easy. Um, you know, it's it's not a gun issue. It's it's you know, it, it it's a security issue. Exactly, Mike. And so after the tragedy of Texas last year, I went to Superintendent Bremley and, and talked to him and said, "Look, we need an agenda item at the very next meeting that we have to address school safety and address exactly what you're talking about." And it was. It was placed on the agenda. We discussed it. That led to a school safety conference last fall, or I think it was last fall, the very first one that we had. Now, if you look, we we have funding coming from the federal government to do exactly that, to talk about hardening barriers, to doing things such as that to physical improvements to increase security. This isn't one solution, or we're not going to have one silver bullet to do this, but the school resource officers, plus addressing school set, like access points, hard barriers, things like that, all of these things together can start to improve school safety. And every step that we can do will make sure that our kids and our parents and our administrators and teachers are all safe. And that's what we need to do. That's what we need to be focused on. Michael, can you stay with us? Because some of the education bills that have been pre-filed, Bessie's holding a special meeting today to talk about them. Some of them are, are pretty glaring I would like to talk to you about when we get back. Can you do that? Yeah, no problem. Okay, kick your phone, tell the guy in Ville Platte not to give you a ticket, and hang on with us. <laughs> Will do. <laughs> Michael Mellorine, Shreveport Bossier, Bessie member, uh, coming when we come back. 
1017 FM, 710 Keo, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline with uh, Shreveport Bossier Bessie member Michael Mellorine. You're having a special meeting today, Bessie is, to talk about the legislative bills that impact education. Obviously, teacher pay is high on your list, I guess. Um, fully supporting the governor's proposed p- teacher pay raise, or should it be more? So what we did at uh, our last meeting in March was we submitted an MFP funding formula that gives $2,000 uh, pay raises to all teachers and a little bit less to support staff. And then they did differentiated pay of another thousand dollars for teachers. For teachers, I fully support that MSP proposal. Um, what I think is that differentiated pay, the way it's directed, it helps. Um, basically, if you go in above and beyond, you're a great teacher. If you're teaching in an area of need, if you're teaching a subject in need, it, it gives an incentive for some of our, our schools that can't get those teachers, those good quality teachers that we need. It gives them a little bit something extra to get there. Unions um, don't so like that, do. though. Un- teacher unions don't like that idea. Uh, will you, are you going to get some pushback? Uh, yeah, we, we're getting pushback. Um, but if you look, I, I know myself and, and a number of other members and my colleagues, we support that idea. We think, for example, in, in Caddo Parish, you have a need in, in some of our, our urban performing schools for high-quality teachers. If you ever go to some of those schools, there are great teachers there. They sacrifice they may not get the recognition. They oftentimes don't get the recognition that they deserve. But if we put our best teachers in there and give them incentive to do it, we can make a turnaround. Same thing in rural parishes. If we have some of our rural parishes have a shortage of, uh, say, physics teachers, if you give them incentives to go there, now look, money's not everything. Money doesn't fix everything. But if we can give them a little bit extra, I'm all for that. Well, addressing that teacher shortage, when you say giving incentives, I mean, that's the pretty big incentive money, you, you, you know. It, it is. It is. So and what other incentives teachers, are you talking about then? Well, if you talk to teachers, it's school safety, um, respect. It, it's things like that, that there's not one thing that's going to, you know, speak to every teacher and draw every, every universal teacher. But money's a good way to do it. Um, and, and if we can do something like that, we can bring more teachers in, retain more teachers, that's going to help everybody in the state. If, if you look at average teacher salaries across the state, what would the average teacher salary be? I know different, different uh, areas have different salary ranges, but give me an average in the state. It's the last number I think I saw, it's, it's in the mid-50s, if I'm correct. Um, now, I may be off a little bit, but I think that's what it is. And so where would you like that to be? Uh, obviously, I'd like it to be higher. Um, this this last proposal gets us closer to the southern regional average, which is the, the how they compare it. Um, now that number is a little bit flat by a year or two, so it, it's not exactly an apples to apples comparison. Um, but we can get there. Let's, let's try to get there. Um, now, look, I know Red River Parish is one of the highest in the in the state. Uh, it's around sixty sixty something thousand dollars for a teacher in Red River Parish. Uh, a lot of that is because they have a support behind it, um, and so. Uh oh, your phone's go- your phone's goofing up again. Oh, I apologize. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Red River has some of the highest teacher average teacher uh, salaries in the state. It's because it's a lot of local support there. Mm-hmm. One one thing I'm looking at uh, in the legislative package y'all will be going over that is intriguing is a bill by Amity in the House 
requiring 15 minutes of recess for K through 5 statewide. People don't realize that they haven't had kids in school for a long time. There's really no more recess for a lot of our youngsters. That blew my mind when you told me that. Is that am I right about that? That that is generally something that that is left up to uh, each local district. Uh, that that falls kind of in the, the curriculum area where Bessie generally stays out of uh, curriculum decisions. Um, so it varies by each local uh, area and the, each local school system. Should schools have recess? I mean, I think that was a good way for kids to kind of unwind Absolutely. and then they they behave better in the classroom. Would you support a statewide mandate? I'm look. Whenever it comes to statewide mandates, I generally am, and you know, for more local control. Um, and, and but yeah, I think our kids need to be able to be active and, and look just for physical health uh, for their well-being. I think it's a good thing. Um, I, I need to look at the bill a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like everything, there could be potential unintended consequences if it results in, in extending days or, or anything like that. That's something I want to be very cognizant of before we start mandating you have to do certain things because my fear is that you get down a slippery slope. If you mandate first, it starts with, with reset. Mm-hmm. Then I don't want it to become something else. I'm always very cognizant and, and want to make sure we don't start putting too many mandates. On so I shouldn't introduce, introduce a mandate to have recess here at work. <laughs> I, th- I think we ought to continue that on into adult life. I like that. Yeah. You know, I, I wish we still had nap time. In the day. Boy, no Mexico, kidding. They have the siesta still. <laughs> Uh, that's a good one. I think we need to import that. <laughs> one more thing before we let you go. Our last minute. There's a measure by uh, Jefferson in the House that calls for third-party teacher evaluations. That kind of raises my eyebrow. I'm, I haven't read the bill, but is that something that is a little concerning, or is it something we've done before? It, it's look. It's a little concerned. Um, just the way an unfortunate consequence of the way teachers are evaluated or the way the system is set up is that teachers have to be evaluated. It's a constant, you know, reevaluation of is this the perfect process? No, this is the perfect process. And it seems to change over time. What you know, as most things, it's the new what's in vogue. And we need to make sure that we're not just switching from one thing to the next just for simply switching. We need to look and see okay, what are the flaws in our current system? How can we improve it? If it is a third-party evaluator and and everybody kind of agrees that this is the best system to go to, I'm for it. But before we rush in and start making decisions, let's take a step back, see if that's actually the problem or if it's just a symptom of a bigger problem. Gotcha. Michael Mellorine, Bessie member from our area. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Y'all have a good morning. You bet. You too, sir. Happy Easter. 101.7F. seven FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. Also a free download, the Keel News app, courtesy of Office Furniture Source. That's how you connect with us on the message board. Um, <laughs> and and uh, it's too bad we can't read some of these on the air. Oh, have some a look. Of these. 
Are they good doozies today? They called me an idiot yesterday. That's, yeah, oh, that's okay. Somebody did. They called you a clown. A clown. Oh, a, an on. idiot clown. That's okay. I'm good with that. <laughs> I like clowns. We did get one. It said, uh, you know, we, we just spoke with uh, Michael Mellorine. Uh, about school security, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the messages does say, it's simple, you need to stop having schools as gun-free zones. Anytime you put up a gun-free zone, a mental patient knows it's an easy target. A criminal knows it's an easy target. Get rid of gun-free zones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I see both sides of that, though. Mm-hmm. You don't want just folks just walking up, strapping. right. But by the same token, uh, I remember that line from uh, uh, Jeff Foxworthy. He says, you see a house with the yard needs mowing. There's a car out front and a dog chained to the porch. You know there's a gun lives in that house. (laughs) That's true. That's true. But all my teacher friends, they're not for this. Let's let teachers have guns. They're not for it. And the reason they're not is because... Somebody could get accidentally or or intentionally right. get the gun, I understand that, or attack the teacher to take the gun, and then you're putting teachers way in way more jeopardy. So there's a big push. The teachers' unions will never go for arming our teachers. Have you ever walked into a store and the owner owner or where has has a oh, gun on their hip? Damn Skippy! Yeah. I bet they don't get robbed. I got no problem with that. I got no problem with that either. That's I, I, his store. I walked into yeah. a cleaners. There used to be a cleaners on, on Kings mm-hmm. Highway. And you walk in and, and Ernest, he made right on there. Yeah. It's like. It's legal. Don't. Yeah. It's open carry. It's legal. I right. saw a guy coming out of Target had a gun on. But can't Target say no guns in the store? I don't know what the rule is for businesses. Can they say I guns they aren't can, allowed? They can dictate. It's their. Yeah. yeah it's their property. And they ah. can say. You can't bring a gun in here. Right. This guy had it strapped to his hip coming and out of Target. I can say, you know what? I'm not spending my money here. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. We've got Congressman Mike Johnson going to be joining us uh, at 840. But 810 this morning, mm-hmm. Ronnie Johns, uh, Louisiana Gaming Control Board uh, chairman, is going to talk to us about Diamond Jacks. Some interesting developments there. Mm-hmm. That's coming up. Mike and McCarty. One hundred one seven FM, seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty. Earlier, God, uh, this this week, you know, LSU ladies. First of all, gosh, what 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 a what what a wrap up to the season. Oh, quite a run, mm. pretty incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, congratulations to Kim Mulkey in her second year. Already, <laughs> if she's not coach of the year, when do they announce that? I don't know. Should be soon. I, and and look, I don't. I, I I've said it before. I don't really follow basketball. It's just never been never mm-hmm. been my my game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I played football in, in junior high and high school, and ran track and played tennis. I, but I, I never, I just never played basketball, so I never really followed it. So when I was watching the the ladies the other night, and Angel was doing all that, can't oh, yeah. see me, mm-hmm. and getting yeah. in that other girl's face, right? Um. I was like, come on, show more yeah, class than yeah. that. But then, you know, again, because I don't follow it, I was I was making snap judgments. Mm-hmm. The other girl had done that before. Oh, yeah. She was doing that in previous games. Yes, to a lot of people. So, right. Like, you can't see me. Right, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm better than y'all. And so, 
you know, when you put it in that light, you go, okay. Mm-hmm. But to me, I didn't want to see it. Had nothing to do with either girl's race, okay? Right, right. But Stephen A. Smith from ESPN has to come up and throw race into the equation. Mm-hmm. And it and they and he was saying that she, that uh, Angel Reese was getting a lot of flack because she's a black girl. Mm-hmm. And I was offended at that. Yeah, I was because that hadn't even crossed my mind when I was watching her do that. And I think I was just like, no, 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 just be you know, be yeah. better, be yeah. better. But it had nothing to do with her color, mm, and it yeah. was and, and it. I don't know why we have to interject that in every conversation right and it was there were a lot of people that were were saying that that it was a a racial issue because caitlin had been doing it and nobody taught said that was poor sportsmanship but then when the well if i had seen her doing it i would have thought it was poor sportsmanship everybody thought it was cool she's trash talking and now today which is a good thing caitlin has come out and said i got no problem with what angel did i i saw that good on her for her yeah and i'm thinking (laughs) that's all absolutely wonderful she's like no i you know i trash talk we all trash talk she did the same back to me i'd have done the same to her right i if kate if caitlin had a one she'd had that hand up with the ring pointing at the ring finger too now that doesn't make it right in, in my humble opinion no it does not but she said i'm okay with it stop bashing her it's cool. I'm right. cool with it. So right. leave her alone. It's not and a big good deal. good for her mm-hmm. for, for yeah. saying that. And apparently she's coming back next year to Iowa. Oh, yeah. She's going to be playing again. So. Mm, boy, what a rematch be awesome. <laughs> they got to squeeze that in the calendar somewhere because they don't normally play in, during the regular season. And LSU only had two losses this year. One to South Carolina, which was a dominant team. And I'm not sure who the other loss was, but what a dominant team and the tigers lady tigers will be going to the white house and no iowa will not jill biden flapping her yap Mm -hmm. saying she wanted to invite iowa as well you don't (laughs) invite the losers no unprecedented to have the losers there and and i asked you earlier am i making too big a deal about the fact that i was offended by jill saying that because you're you're taking away from the accomplishments of the champions Mm. You're you're going. Oh, well, we're going to have them too. You yeah. Know, like no, no. Don't do that. That was offensive because you and you made a great point. Would they have invited LSU if Iowa had won? No. I think not. No. Someone just texted me. Dawn Staley is AP Coach of the Year. What? Oh, okay, it's AP. All right. Duh. Dumb. That's <laughs> bad mistake. Well, you know, it is Louisiana. <laughs> Thank you, Whoopi. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Ronnie Johns, Louisiana Gaming Board Chairman, joining us after the uh, 8 o'clock news. Mike and McCarty, 1017 FM, 710 Keels. One zero one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty checking the Jack Spr- I mean the uh, Shreveport Security Systems Message Board. An armed society is a polite society. Hmm. It should be the teacher's option to carry, but we all know that teachers. <laughs> 
<laughs> they look crazy to begin with. Oh, boy. Uh, a National Guard unit should be trained for school security. What better way to guard our kids? We already have a shortage of police officers. And and you, I got lambasted a minute ago in your, from, from your, one of your texts. Mm-hmm. Now, look, I was saying in an ideal world, I think, the, that the Caddo Parish school system and Bossier Parish, mm-hmm. the school systems should have their own police department. Sure. Ideally, even in a more perfect Eden, every school would have their own department, like at colleges mm-hmm. and universities. But my, one of my texters says, tell Mike to shut up. <laughs> we can't even find police officers to patrol the streets. Well, How the heck are we going to find police officers to go to stay in the schools that's my point (laughs) i'm saying in an ideal world and if i shut up well it might be a better show no no it would not (laughs) i don't want to do all this talking i don't want to do all this talking (laughs) no no no. and you don't want me to they don't want me doing all the talking that's for darn sure but it's a it's a critical issue i mean like when did i marry you Like Michael Mellorine says, you know, we had a couple of incidents here. In fact, that Southwood, the school resource officer, uh, possibly averted tragedy last week in catching the kid trying to bring right. a gun yeah. into campus yeah. after threatening a coach. We had a school yesterday where a student at Herndon Magnet threatened, made gun threats to the school. Um everybody at all our schools have to be on alert i mean every day you got to watch closely and kids have to talk at the herndon situation thank god a kid spoke up yeah if you see something say something Mm -hmm. absolutely uh one of the messages said when you do notice mike back in the day everybody had guns at school we didn't have these problems but you know in the 70s it was a different era Aaron the mm-hmm. thinking was different we that didn't even cross our mind with, right. to get a gun if you got in a fight with somebody no and and I, again i'm going to sound like the you know the 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 preacher from footloose but you've got to look at the influences yes why are these 12 and 13 year and 14 year olds why are they thinking that way? Mm-hmm. Is it violent video games that yeah. desensitizes people to the human, you know, life? Mm-hmm. The whole goal is to kill as many people and you know, right, right, as you can. Yes. There's no consequences. They just boom, they blow away, and then they're you know they're off the screen. And you never know who it's going to be. It's hard to predict. Who, who's having mental problems that would turn to this? I mean, we, we hear about bullying at schools. We hear about people that feel uh, ostracized. That happens to a lot of kids. I, yeah. A lot of kids. Again, again, the thinking. I think social media has been a huge detriment. Huge detriment. I got bullied as a kid. Mm-hmm. I was redheaded stepchild, literally. Yeah. And my first name is Ronald. You think I didn't get called Ronald McDonald? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. No kidding. But, you you know, you got to deal with it. you mm-hmm. got to toughen up. Absolutely. Ronnie Johns, Louisiana Gaming Control Board Chairman, joining us after the local news at 8 o'clock. Mike and McCarty. 101.
1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Louisiana Gaming Control Board Chairman Ronnie Johns. First of all, good morning, sir. Thanks for talking good with morning. us. Good morning. How's everybody in Northwest Louisiana? We're doing Sam Frantastic. <laughs> what was that from? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Ronnie, we've got a uh, we got word that you guys have approved the sale of the old Diamond Jacks property by Foundation of Mississippi to this new company, Cardish, I guess is the name. How did this all come about? What can you tell us so far? Well, I'm a little bit limited in what I can tell you this morning. A press release will go out today, kind of detailing more about uh, who Cardish is, what they've got to offer, et cetera, but. Yes, yesterday the board approved a resolution. It was a specially called board meeting because of some legalities uh, in it. But um, we approved the the uh, the concept of the buy-sell agreement and allowing Foundation to move forward with uh, selling their interest in the Diamond Jacks property to another uh, well-known uh, gaming provider from uh, from. Uh, out of state. Uh, with that said, uh, I, I want to uh, assure everybody in Northwest Louisiana that this uh, does not slow the project down. Foundation is committed to continuing their 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 work, their renovation work, uh, removing the boat. Uh, dem- they're still in the demolition stages. Um, uh, I, but I will tell you that I really think after you see. Uh, uh, what's coming, uh, I believe the people of Bossier and Shreveport are going to be extremely excited about the, the possibilities of that project. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's an enhancement to the project. I can, sh- I can share that with you. Well, Foundation Gaming came in with, uh, with these plans that was, you know, looked fantastic, larger gaming space. Right. Did something happen where they, or was it their intention the entire time to, to like, flip the property? Or did, did something come well, up where I, they said, no, we're not going to do this now? Well, I, I don't, uh, I honestly don't think that. And, and let me just tell you what, if uh, there's no guarantee that, that this sale is going to go through, um, Something may happen where uh, the sale does not happen, and if it doesn't happen, Foundation will just continue their work, and and they'll uh, uh, finish the project and and open up uh, Diamond Jacks just like they always intended to do. That's that's not. There's actually these these two companies are going to actually work together uh, on this, and it's kind of going to be a seamless uh, transition from Foundation to uh, uh, to uh, Cardish. And, uh, but I think they were actually approached by this other company. Uh, and I think once you see the press release and, and, you know, Aaron, I've agreed to come back on tomorrow morning and to discuss it. I I just, I just can't discuss a company's business until they go public with it. What can you tell um, us about Cardish? What what do we know about Cardish? Um, how much good company? Uh, yes, I've, I've, I've gone to great lengths to, to vet them. Uh, they do business in other states. Um, they, uh, they're well-respected. They're very, very well-financed. Uh, they have the ability to bring the Diamond Jacks property to a whole different level. And uh, so, again, I, I'll be glad to come back on tomorrow morning and discuss it a lot more in detail. Uh, but, um, uh, 
this is going to be a win uh, for Bossier and Shreveport. And by the way, uh, we did receive a letter of support from the mayor of Bossier yesterday mm-hmm. and also the uh, 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 president of the Bossier Parish Police Jury uh, in support of the project. So they have actually met with uh, with the other company. Uh, they understand what, what uh, this will mean for the community, and uh, they're in full support. And we're talking with Ronnie Johns, Louisiana Gaming Control Board Chairman. Ronnie, the, from what I understand, the Gaming Commission has uh, approved the sale already to, uh, to Cordish from Foundation. And if Cordish approached Foundation Gaming, you said a moment ago the sale might not go through. What could be some possible holdups that would uh, well, stop first that sale? Of all, first of all, the other company has to go through suitability. Uh, that's a long process. That that process takes uh, uh, as long as six months to go through all their financial records, go through all their criminal background checks. Um, the suitability process is very, very extensive. That's not done directly through the board. That's done by the uh, State Police Gaming Division. So, and look, some of the, the dynamics of the, uh, of the, the financing or uh, whatever, you know, that, that's a, that's a buy-sell agreement between those two companies. It's really not something that the board will be, um, uh, a part of, but, uh, just like you selling a house or selling a commercial building or whatever, there's always a possibility of something happening that, uh, um, one of the two parties could, could, could back out. Uh, so it's, um, it's a buy sell agreement at this point, and and then at 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 a point down the road when um, when Cardish becomes uh, suitable under our guidelines and um, uh, our statutes here in Louisiana, then they will move forward with the finalization of the sale and uh, and then take over the uh, the process. But uh, the thing that uh, we were very adamant about was that this is not going to slow the pro- the project down. One more thing point. before we let you go. Same time tomorrow, I hope. But um, your intent is that the riverboat goes away and that this will be a land-based casino. I would assume you're going to stick to that as well, as well right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. That, that, that's a given. Uh, nobody wants an old legacy riverboat anymore uh, when they have the opportunity to go land-based. So mm-hmm. um, you're going to see... Uh, you're going to see just an enhanced project here with uh, with what we did yesterday. Okay, well, can we, uh, can we talk tomorrow about it, about it at the same time? Is that good I'll for you? I'll be happy to. I will be happy to. Wonderful. I will be here. We'll put, you, we'll put you on the payroll. <laughs> I, I think y'all should, and I want benefits too. Okay, so. <laughs> well, well then, yeah, let us know how that works. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie Johns, uh, Louisiana Gaming Control Board Chairman. Thank you, and we'll get into more depth uh, tomorrow morning, same time. Great. Be, be happy to do that. Thanks. Thank okay. you, sir. 1017 FM. Thank you. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty yesterday at uh, Channel Three was at my studio. 
and I had walked up to the front, and traffic was kind of backed up on King's Highway. Mm-hmm. Like, what now? Because they're nuts. You know, oh, yeah. th- there's no right of way on that section of King's Highway. Oh, yeah. Uh, from basically from uh, Uri Drive all the way down to almost what LSU Med. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's no. Or forty nine at least. Yeah, there's no like shoulder or yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's no there's no turn in the no. middle. It's it's it is a and, and people go freaking seventy miles an hour down. So I thought that was my first thought was well it was there's a rack there mm-hmm. and, and they've slammed into that telephone pole uh, or utilities pole a bunch in yeah. front of Channel Three a lot. And so anyway, so I I got looking at. Aaron, there were like 15 fire trucks wow. down at George's Grill. Wow. wow. The old George's Grill. Mm-hmm. Kind, of, kind of made me sad a it little bit. It is sad. It really is sad. I, I know I, it's yeah. not been open for several years now. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but you kind of hope, okay, somebody's going to come in, you yeah. know, and, and take it. Somebody's going to come in and mm-hmm. do something with it. Uh, I don't know if, if it's still in the family. I'm not sure, but I love George's Grill. I really oh, we did. did. Oh, yeah. Grits and just get the... To- oh, man, yeah. It it was a, such an establishment in our town. I'm so sad it's gone, but it's been gone a while now. It's been gone. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. been gone for a while. Uh, I did get some great pictures. Uh, oh, yeah. I did post some pictures on keelnews.com, mm-hmm. and I think... I don't I don't know how, how extensive the damage was. It looked right. pretty bad. Okay. They did, you know, of course, the whole front is glass, that mm-hmm. front, the glass door, and they had yeah. to bust that door out. Uh, but I don't know. Ruben, you said there was somebody, maybe like a homeless person that was living back behind it? Uh, I had seen somebody kind of camped out in between sort of the right side of the building when you're facing it and mm-hmm. a little storage shed. The, they yeah. kind of made a nest in there. Uh, and, and oddly enough, that, that looked where, mo- where most of the burn damage yeah, was. Yeah, it was yeah. a lot on the yeah. west side of the building. Right. I'm excited because you know who's here in the building today? We I haven't had don't. him in the building in a while. The captain of my kickball team. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Congress- Is he signing autographs? I don't know. Congressman Mike Johnson in studio after the news. We're, we're going to talk to him about a lot of things. Uh, and, and, of course, kickball, too, which is priority for me. Yeah. <laughs> kickball. What, what kickball team? Oh, I'll explain it to you later. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, how fun is this going to be? Uh, Congressman Mike Johnson joining us next. Mike and McCarty. 101. One hundred one seven FM seven ten Keo Mike and McCarty uh, Aaron we I, I got the we got the greatest job in the world oh I know I mean honestly it, it really honestly is. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, whoever doesn't have this job I feel sorry for yeah. you yeah we've got uh, Congressman Mike Johnson in studio with us we've talked with you on the phone several times this is the first time you've been in since I've been here well yeah it, since you that's right since yeah. you joined the team and it, it's mm-hmm. a great honor I love the show always have I've told. Uh, Aaron, for years, that this could be a nationally syndicated program, and I can't believe it's not. And, mm. and um, <laughs> you guys are, are doing a fantastic job. Well, thank you. Lady Tigers win the national championship. 
Um, how great was that for Louisiana? The the men have never won it. The ladies get it in her in Mulkey's second year. It, it's unbelievable. She's one of the greatest of all time. I mean, obviously, right out of the gates. And a credible thing for my uh, alma mater. I was there in the days when Shaquille O'Neal was on the team. Mm. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. That was a fantastic squad of guys. Stanley Roberts. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we had an all-star team. Dale Brown was a coach. We thought we were going to take the title back mm-hmm. then, but we couldn't get it done. So the ladies do it first. So yeah. No okay. Tigers. Okay. And, and they need to be at the White House by themselves. Self, yes. correct? What's yeah. up with that? Everybody gets a trophy. I don't understand what what is Jill Biden talking about? I, you know, one well, of they our... put the kibosh on that. Thank goodness. Yes, she had to roll that back in, but it's crazy. Oh. They they've earned it. The yeah. Last time the Tigers were there, 2019 national championship football team. Football, yes. Trump was in the White House. They were scheduled for 34 minutes or something. We stayed two and a half hours. We had, we had to drag the boys out of the White <laughs> well, House. Well, you, you'll be at the White House when the Tigers come, correct? I don't know. I haven't been invited to the Biden White House yet. Oh, um, I basically man. lived there during the Trump years, but, um, but I, I'm not sure I'm going to get that invitation. Oh, That's a very good question. <laughs> yes. Okay. All the I'm, Louisiana delegation should be there for crying out loud. S- says Aaron. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> from, from Aaron's mouth. It's Aaron's years. world. We're just living yeah. in it. Right. You, you right. know that. Right. I'll, I'll call him and, and check in with him okay, on that. Okay, yeah. we're going to have to take a break. Before we do, do you want to put on your dad hat? Yes, yeah, sure. The park still. Tell us about the competition. Oh, that's cool. The yeah. art competition. Yeah, Let's sure. do a shout out. Well, uh, my son Will... Uh, won first place in the first ever art contest for the Barksdale uh, Defenders of Liberty Air Show uh, contest. It was fantastic. We were so proud of all the kids, y'all. There were hundreds of entries, and they were displayed there in the hangar. Everybody went by and saw it, and, and the audience voted. People voted, and, and he won it. So we're going to the school board meeting in Bossier tomorrow night, How and he's cool. getting his award. And It's a big thing for my 12-year-old. We're really Absolutely. Congratulations. Cool. Let's talk about something. Let's see next. Um, um, uh, Donald Trump, maybe. Anything oh. in the news? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should talk about that. Okay. I, I, yeah, I've got notes. <laughs> <laughs> Congressman Mike Johnson in studio with Mike and McCarty back after this break. 101. One oh one seven FM seven ten Keel, Mike and McCarty in studio with Congressman Mike Johnson. Okay, Mike, we've we got to get to it. I, I know. I, I'm, <laughs> how can a local DA, how can that even happen? The fact that everybody says these are, in no pun intended, trumped up charges. It, it, nobody would take the case before. And, and these are, you know, they're not felony charges. They're misdemeanor charges that have been now trumped up into felonies. That's scarier to me that it's gotten this far. How has it happened? It's a very dangerous thing for our system of justice. And we we sound like a broken record explaining this, but these are there's huge implications to this because people are losing their faith in our institutions, y'all. We you've seen the polling. I mean, it's record low numbers of faith that people have in the basic foundations of our constitutional republic, our whole system of government. And and a large contributing factor to that is this belief that our system of justice is no longer unbiased, that Lady Justice doesn't have the blindfold anymore on anymore. She's peeking beneath it. And Alvin Bragg is a perfect example of that. This guy ran for office. He vowed to get Trump. I mean, this was part of his platform a couple years ago. So they, they had already identified the defendant before they had figured out a crime. So they went through combing over all this stuff to try to concoct something. The timing here is obvious and important. Mm-hmm. Why are they doing it now? Because he announced he's running again, right? Weren't all these charges brought before federal prosecutors three, four years ago? Absolutely. The FEC refused to take it. Exactly. 
the federal DOJ, the federal prosecutors passed on it. They said it's it's uh, it's it's too weak of a case. It's We're not going to embarrass ourselves in doing this. But Alvin Bragg doesn't care, and he's made a vow to the people he represents in Manhattan that he's going to get Trump, and that's what you got. So this this very weak indictment that they released yesterday is a joke. It doesn't even list the underlying, the main crime. You've heard some analysis of this, right? We read through it quickly. Where's the crime? Because those are misdemeanors in the state of New York. They're weak ones at that. But in order to bootstrap that, to bring it in, into this uh, felony charge, you have to link it to something else. He hasn't named what that crime is. So the allegation or the implication here is that whoever the jury is is going to get to just comb through 300,000 different federal laws and try to try to grab one that they believe that Trump or they're going to claim that Trump violated. It, it just it's it's a travesty of justice. Everybody knows it. And it's really, really dangerous for the future. Well, it's or can can Trump get a fair trial? I, I don't know. Get one? I, talk about a tainted jury pool. I mean, they're constantly beating well, the judge up. and the judge himself. His daughter worked on the Biden, Kamala Harris campaign and then the Biden campaign that came out yesterday. Um, you know, I, I just the whole thing looks like a, a kangaroo court. And that's what the Trump team is calling it. You know, he, he's not really great about um, holding his emotions in, uh, the president <laughs> himself, Trump himself. Uh, and he's already said the obvious things, that it looks like the judge is biased. It looks like the, the court is biased. Obviously, the DA is. I'm not sure what effect that has on the, the trial, but we're going to see. Well, here's what's important to me. I, I don't think this is my happenstance. I think it's all orchestrated, obviously. Yes. It's political. Of course. Obviously. But th- here's the thing. Nobody's talking about China anymore. Right. Nobody's talking about Hunter Biden and the laptop and the deals he's made with foreign governments. Exactly. The Biden family has profited billions of dollars yes. from foreign governments. Nobody's talking about inflation, the economy. Right. You know, and look for more of this going forward because now you know this thing's going to drag out for a year or two. They're talking about the first, um, the first next hearing being right before the Iowa caucuses, okay, and then the trial into early twenty twenty four, which of course is the year of the presidential election. And so, Alvin Bragg is going to. They should go ahead and put him on the payroll of the Biden campaign because he's going to be well, doing their. Who's business. to say he's not already? Well, maybe so, Mike. And we'll, we're going to find that out. By the way, we're going to investigate this on the federal level with our weaponization. But and they keep things. saying nobody's above the law. You know, <laughs> all the left. Look at the the liberal me. Nobody's above. Well. Hillary Clinton destroys 33,000 emails. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever happened. She had a private server, right. Mike, in her right. home right. with with classified documents. Nothing ever She also happened. paid an operative to create the, the, the dirty dossier, dossier right? And Absolutely. That. That's on my list. There's a long list of, of high-profile Democrats but who just, have evaded But just that. look at this DA. Right. He pleads down murders. He pleads down carjackings. You know these violent, heinous crimes aren't aren't prosecuted as as felony charges, and yet he takes these misdemeanor. I'm sorry. He's I'm downgraded fifty two percent, fifty two percent of felony cases to misdemeanors in in New York. Oh God! But Trump, they're trumping up the charges, right? He's doing mm-hmm. the opposite thing. I mean, this guy's response, he's Soros-funded, of course. He's one of the you know main reasons why we have violent crime surging in this country and in the largest city in America. And he's spending all his time and resources right now on this political vendetta to get Trump. Mike, Everybody sees it. Congressman Mike Johnson, I, you know, I, I have a different take on this. I think you need to stop all this nonsense you're saying, and I think you need to write a thank you note to Mr. Bragg. <laughs> I yeah. think you need to send him a thank you note because I think this is going to 
rocket Donald Trump back into office. I don't think there's any question. I mean, I think it makes him the nominee, the Republican nominee. The contest, none of the other uh, candidates are getting any press at all. They're they done. Won't. They they're, won't. they're toast now. Um, Ron DeSantis, my old colleague from the House, is, you know, he's kind of gone silent on this. They're all going to wait for the dust to settle, but the dust is not going to settle. The media won't allow that, right? Well, so so Donald Trump takes all the air out of the room. Did I hear that he's not even due back into court until December? Yeah, is, right, right. So they're dragging this out. Of course. And they want to do the trial in the beginning of 2024. It's crazy. And and what you can what is almost guaranteed to happen is anytime the White House wants one of these news stories to be buried in a, in a news cycle, Alvin Bragg will drop something. You mention a new witness, a new document or something, and then all the mainstream media will cover that for that 24-hour news cycle or 48 mm -hmm. hours, and they'll bury whatever bad news the White House wants to get rid of. I mean, it's it's the perfect ploy, but and they even, just set it up. Even if he's convicted, okay, let's take it out, mm -hmm. and serves no jail time, okay, mm -hmm. but then he's ineligible to run for office. No, he's not. No, it's not a felony. No. no, no. See, Article 2 of the Constitution only has basic requirements, your age and your and your citizenship. So a felon can run for president. Yes, yes. Okay. He could run for president from the jailhouse. <laughs> but these aren't felonies, are they? They, well, they, well, they're not they, technically felonies, right. but they're trying to make them okay. felonies. Yeah. Okay. But there's no, it, it doesn't change anything, and um, it would be quite a spectacle, of course. But, I mean, I think that's the plan. I think they want him to run for president as the Republican nominee from jail and, and see what effect that has on the electorate. There's no <laughs> other way that Biden can win. Um, you know, that's their calculation. They think, ultimately, I think that's the end game here. Is Gavin Newsom... Throwing his hat in the ring. I, I, he's he's just trying to get attention for himself, as he's uh, good at doing. But I don't think that he confronts or runs against Biden if Biden is indeed the nominee. But even even President Biden hasn't said he's running again definitively yet. He's kind of holding out to see what happens. All he's worried about is chocolate chip ice cream. You know, right. <laughs> he doesn't know where he is half the time. It's really frightening. Uh, let me, one more thing, different topic. Uh, Mike, 315 a gallon. Mm -hmm. You passed the Scalise energy bill, yep. but they're saying it's dead on arrival in the Senate. Right. Um, what what can we do? We people can't take this anymore. It was a dollar ninety on January twentieth when when uh, Biden right. took over. That's right. We can't keep doing this. No, we can't. President Trump committed to not only energy independence but energy dominance. He used to say dominance, and we, we achieved that. <laughs> Pretty sorry, good, Mike. Sorry, Pretty I good. good. Um, <laughs> I, I hear still hear his voice in my head. But we we achieved that, and that was great for Louisiana, great for the country. Everybody remembers how all the great economic strides we made. Biden comes in reflexively, does the opposite, declares war on the oil and gas industry fossil fuels. They pursue this radical environmental climate agenda like a religion, as y'all all know. And so this is the next obvious step. Now, this one of the things buried in the news cycle is what OPEC did uh, two days ago, mm -hmm. three days ago. The OPEC plus countries have cut production 1.3 million barrels a day, which is going to drive prices up through the remainder of the year. Your mm -hmm. summer travel is going to be exceedingly expensive because this president, President Biden and his administration, are doing exactly the opposite of what should be done. We have the resources here, but they will not use them. They want to get our needs and demand met from foreign countries. And it makes us unstable. It makes us unsecure. Mm. All these things are happening, and, and we can't do anything about it until we replace these these folks. You, you, <laughs> you talked about people losing faith in, in, our, in our systems. Can 
are we going to have a fair presidential election coming up? I get I mean, this question every day, that? Mike. Every day, every town hall, it's the first or second question that comes up. What about the integrity of the election system? And I'll just tell you, I, I do believe that a lot of great work was done after the last debacle in 2020. In early 2021, all the Republican-led legislatures passed, you know, hundreds of bills. Over 400 pieces of legislation were introduced to clean up the systems, clean up the voter rolls, all that, make sure that the hijinks and the irregularities of the COVID election in 2020 never happen again. We have a lot of faith in that. Now, there's five or six states that we're deeply concerned about, you know, and you know of is mm-hmm. Wisconsin, Arizona, Pennsylvania. Arizona, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so there's lots of eyes on that. There's a lot of oversight. There's a lot of, uh, you know, concern. But um, we, we have to rely on the integrity of the ballot. It's, it's, it's the center of who we are as a country. And if people lose faith in that, then, then, and then we, we, have we have to stop leaning on these mail-in ballots. Yeah, oh, the mail-in balloting has got to be. It's terribly uh, abused. It opens the door for all sorts of fraud. And, every, and everybody knows that, ballot harvesting, all these things. But here's the other deal. In the states where that is the law, Republican Party has to play that game. It's detestable to us. It's, we, intuitively, right. we know it's wrong, yeah. mm-hmm. but we're going to have to become ballot harvesters in the states where that is, you know, in, in their election. And I, I, I do remember Sean Hannity saying that. Look, well, yeah. we've got to beat them at their own game. It's reality. Yep. As, as detestable as... We like election days, right? We don't want election months. Right. We don't want, we don't want ballots being mailed to everybody because of all the problems that comes along with that. And we, we hate to go out and collect ballots door to door, but if the other team does it, our team has to, or we're going to get yeah. beat. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. Congressman Mike Johnson, thanks for coming in. Thank you all. Great mm-hmm. to be with you in Thank person. Thank you so much. You got it. Hey, we'll talk to you again soon. Mike and McCarty, 101. He's cute, too, by the way. <laughs> Aaron, I, I'm telling you, he's uh, he's one of my favorites. He's a good guy. He's really one of. I am. I'm. I'm really proud to have Mike Johnson representing us. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stand up just, guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know they say all oh, politicians are crooked. Well, he 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 is an antithetical politician. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and so but he knows how to play the game too. I mean, he you know he's, oh, absolutely. he's one of the leaders on Capitol Hill now and. Uh, he's waving the Louisiana banner. I just can't believe he wouldn't be invited to the White House when the LSU team is there. We, we did, How petty is that? We we did get a message on the Shreveport Security Systems message board. It says the only Louisiana rep that will be invited to the White House is Rhino Cassidy. <laughs> I think Troy Carter will be there too. Perhaps Congressman Carter will be there. I you know I don't know. I'm I'm disappointed. I'm excited today. We get to go see Amazon. Yes, they're mm-hmm. having a hard hat tour mm-hmm. um, that uh, we're actually going to be able to go inside the facility. We'll be able to take pictures. So I'll have uh, pictures, excuse me, mm-hmm. of the uh, inside of the Amazon facility. Uh, they so and, and we were just talking with Congressman Johnson. If they're doing this, to me, that says they're planning on continuing they're moving along yeah they have walked away from you know built facilities around the country mm-hmm. saying no we're not opening now but right and, and that's been the fear here mm-hmm. that they're they've gotten this far and are going to pull out they're not going to have a media tour if they're if they're that's stopping what I'm thinking they're not going to ha- have a dog and pony show if they're pulling no it just wouldn't happen somebody at the higher level would go no 
bad idea. Stop. Yes. We're not moving forward with Shreveport. It's on the radar, you know. So they're not calling us all out there, put on the hard hats and do the interviews and take the photos and all that if they're pulling the plug. So that's ex- that's exciting. I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to it. Yeah, that'll be hiring soon, I would imagine. A thousand jobs. We'll find out. Absolutely. Uh, Moon Griffon coming up next. Mike and McCarty, 101.7 FM.